Hello everyone, this is Greg from Cage Fight. Uh, just a quick heads up as a trigger warning for you. This episode we're talking about the films World Trade Center and Time to Kill, so it will contain chat about terrorism, 9-11 and sexual assault. So if any of that's not okay for you, probably best to give this one a miss. But for everyone else, we'll begin. <music> I listened to Eternal Cauldron of Emotions to see what they did with this one, and they said that it's impossible to um, make jokes when talking about this film. I see that as a challenge. Now. <laughs> Hi, Gregory. Hi, Thomas. How are you? You were asking people, what is your opinion An of actor the actor Nicholas Cage? C-A-G-E-F-I-G-A-G. Don't be looking at her too hard now. G! This is a very different and weird question. Oh my god. I really like how he doesn't seem to give a fuck what anyone thinks about him. This is Cage Fight! And I think that's kind of badass. Welcome to Cage Fight. I'm gonna drink me a beer. Hello everyone. What's that? Is it time for Nicolas Cage stuff? It is. This is Cage Fight. My name is Gregory Aikman, and who else is here? It is Thomas Beeman, and that's right, Greg. It's the chimes of Nicolas Cage time, the familiar ring-a-ding-dings of old Cage. Exactly. You've you've already heard it in the intro, the sort of C, A, G, and then, you know, all the other letters in the appropriate appropriate order but how how are you thomas how are you this absolutely beautiful pouring down with rain miserable saturday i am doing great in this wonderful sunny too way too hot fucking weather this is uh one of the different country recordings uh dear listener as, <laughs> as you may be aware so we we have entirely separate types of weather but it's nice to know that both are differently shit but yeah but on the inside i will be rainy and dreary for you thank you very much and on the inside i will be too hot and suffocating for you thank you but whilst we share such empathy with weather what else are we doing here tom why why have we come together why am i speaking to you why are you speaking to me there must be some reason for this well the reason that dear listeners you're hearing those unexplainable phenomena of our voices in your ears uh, is because it is time for me and Gregory to compare two Nicolas Cage movies on the podcast Cage Fights. That's what we do. We do it every other week. We bring to you two Nicolas Cage movies that we have watched, mm -hmm. uh, listened to, absorbed, injected into our DNA, and we're here to speak Spit them right back out of you, at you, and just tell you which one we liked the better. Exactly. And we're always so lighthearted and whimsical, and it's an amusing ride, and we're very... Uh, sometimes we might even be seen as uh, a bit carefree. Maybe occasionally we ignore the bigger picture of the movies, because we're talking about films, it's fun! I want you to remember <laughs> that you're our friends... Before this, before you listen to this episode, <laughs> yeah, please remember that this is uh, supposed to be for fun. Yeah, yeah. And these yeah. two movies are probably the exact opposite of what fun's supposed to be, but that's okay. 
Yeah, that's fine. Because we'll, like, yeah, we'll do all right. We'll be everything like, will be okay. <laughs> remember when we talked about Snowden, right? And we were mm. talking about the film. We weren't saying anything about the man himself and what he did. We've got opinions on that, and if you want to hear them, we'll talk about them at a later date. Of course we will. But we would, you know, we were describing the film, and when we were being whimsical or frivolous or slagging off, we weren't saying, therefore we think Snowden is unimportant and everything he did is unimportant. We were just saying bits of the movie were tedious. Okay? That doesn't mean... <laughs> <laughs> what films are we doing this time, Tom? Well, today we're doing two wonderful, whimsical films, The World Trade Center and <clears throat> Time to Kill. Marvelous. What do you want to start with? Let's let's do Old World Trade Center. This is this is the freshest of the of the two events. Okay, now. Remember this has got nothing to do with anyone's opinion on the thing which happened on September 11th, which was a tragedy. No one's disputing that, and everyone's got lots of thoughts and feelings about it, but we don't care about those. We're talking specifically about the film. Mm. Now, the basic plot of this film, Nicolas Cage is a policeman, and he goes about his normal business starting early in the morning, like a Port Authority policeman. And uh, when he starts work... Quickly, he is called in to evacuate one of the World Trade Centers, I think Tower 1 he's originally called, because plane hit it, right? And then they go over there, they get ready to evacuate, and then the second tower comes down. Cage and uh, his buddies, his colleagues, get stuck in the rubble, and it takes about 18 hours till they're rescued. They get rescued, and hooray, the end. That's basically the yeah. film, okay? It's Are an you, um... Are you mm. familiar with uh, the time-honored tradition of, like, asking someone, like, asking an American who their favorite tower was? <laughs> which, Because every American has a favorite tower, like, out which, of the two. Which was and your favorite? I, number one was my favorite. Now, is that, did you, do you think it looked better? Did it have the better businesses inside it? Did it have the better restaurant inside it? What What's guiding your choice? It was cooler, in general. Mm. It stood out more captivatingly than the other one. You know, you you know of Twix, like left Twix, right Twix. It's it's a similar sort of vibe. So when you when you get back to America, make sure yeah, to like yeah. ask everyone. <laughs> Should I stop people Who, in the street? Which tower? Mm. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Right. Now, the thing to... Was Tower 1 the one with the antenna, or was that Tower 2? I believe that was Tower 2. Okay, I think Tower 2 would probably be my favourite. I like the antenna. It's a nice little top hat, kind of. The very opening scene of this film shows a naked Nicolas Cage taking a shower, which seems a bit inappropriate in its own way. Mm, okay. But it is a nice way to ease you into it, because I like the idea... Of feeling a bit giddy, a bit giddy with seeing a naked cage immediately <laughs> before having tragedy thrown at you. Now, this is an Oliver Stone film, as was Snowden. And as we know with Oliver Stone, he does political intrigue. Also, he likes a long film, and this is no exception. Two hours, ten minutes. The first bit of the film is very much like life, life as normal. You get lots of scenes of 
Americans, well, New Yorkers, like getting on the subway, walking around, getting a donut, going, hey, I'm walking here, and being wow American and wow New York. Mm-hmm. This goes on for quite some time, and with so many parts of this film, I wonder whether they get away with being slightly self-indulgent and slightly dull by the fact that it's based on a true event that everyone has an immediate opinion on and an immediate emotional reaction. I wonder whether with this film they phoned it in a bit knowing they could rely on the audience to put a lot of the emotion into it so they didn't really need to put any effort. Because I've only heard people say good things about this film and I don't think it's that good. It's okay, but I think a lot of it is if you say you don't like this film, it feels disrespectful, even though you're commenting on the film. You're not commenting on anything else, mm. right? And this film, it gets into it quickly. It's 8 minutes 40 seconds until the first plane hits the tower in this film, right? So you've got wow. eight, eight and a half minutes of life as normal, setting the scene, just introducing ourselves to the characters, which uh, includes him from... Him for uh, Shane from The Walking Dead is in it. Uh, mm, okay. And uh, a guy who I recognise from a million films, but I can't place it at all. But anyway, these these characters are real humans who really got stuck in the tower, which again means they don't need to put as much effort into the script because all it is is people trapped and trying to like keep each other alive. This is the thing is I can hear people typing the comments already because the film is boring. Like one of the first things that happens once the first tower um, gets hit by a plane and Cage is rushing to get there to start helping to evacuate, he says, "We're prepared for anything, but not this." But then you aren't prepared for anything. Think, like it, <laughs> you're prepared for every anything minus one. Exactly. You you could say we're prepared for so much, but we didn't run any tests for this. That would make sense, and that would give mm. the same thing. But saying I can do anything, jump over there. I can't do jumping. Like it immediately undermi- undermines it. And right. I, yeah. I was thinking when I was watching it, because it all looks like it's shot on location, and this was made in 2006, so just five years after. Like, Whoa, uh, okay, I did not know that. That's yeah. a, That seems really intense. Yeah, but it turns out that most of it was filmed in LA, right? Because True. the, uh, I don't know who was, who was the mayor of New York at the time in 2006? I think it was Rudy, I don't exactly Rudy, Was it Rudy? Okay. I think it was Rudy Giuliani, I think so. Okay, so future criminal, uh, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Arguably just criminal. <laughs> just just, just criminal, yeah. He decided, uh, whether, who, if it was him, the mayor of New York, so they couldn't film anything too distressing in New York. Because I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, isn't this going to, yeah. like, tit around with people's because loads of people got PTSD from the event it makes perfect sense if you're if you're yep. uh, caught up in a huge uh, atrocity like that it's going to stick with you but thankfully all of the bits which are too emotional or like too reminiscent and it was very realistic they filmed those in LA so as not to trigger people which I think That's is good. 
one of those few occasions where movies are so incredibly like correct with what they choose to do. Yeah, but, um, it's a great decision. The acting's okay. You've got people like uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and she's great. And all mm. these characters, they do a great job. But I don't know. Like again, it's a film where Nick Cage has a moustache, and I feel like if Nick Cage has a moustache in a movie, it's not going to be very good. <laughs> that's the that's the tell. Well, I well, you, see if you can work out this, Thomas. Think of a film where Nick Cage has a moustache, and it's good. Like, I don't want to know about the reality of it or what true story it's based on. The film itself, can you think of a mustachioed Nick Cage good film? I can't. I I honestly cannot. Hmm. And this film, like, I understand what they're trying to do with this film, but it doesn't work, right? Because 25 minutes in, the towers collapse on them when they're in the building trying to evacuate people. So we're only 25 minutes into a film which is over two hours long, and all of the plot and setup has happened. So the rest of it is them stuck trying to keep each other's spirits up, their family just reacting and being scared and waiting to see what happens. And and it's, you know, like a slice of life, taking this small thing so you can extrapolate this and go, what brave people and what horrible situations to be in. No one's disputing or doubting that. But it just works as quite a dull film. I think everyone's performances aren't very good because they could trick everyone into thinking the performances are outstanding because it feels wrong to say it's rubbish with because yeah. that sounds like I'm being disrespectful and I'm not at all what I'm about to say now may sound more disrespectful but hear me out stick with me I don't mean this sure. in a needlessly antagonistic way there have been what like about 40 films about 9-11 since the event right and some Just of them about, yeah. Some of them are great, some of them are shit, and there's loads of in-between. A lot of them fall into more documentary-style things. But I have not seen, and I don't know if it exists, you might be able to say, oh no, this film's got it. Not in a sympathy way, but just in an interesting, exciting movie. Do you think it would be a good film, and this might get cut out if it's too inappropriate, but... If there was a film from the terrorist point of view of that morning, because I don't mean in a whole oh, sort of like okay. sympathy for them, but that that must have been like that story, their morning leading up to like you know double checking, doing last minute preparations, and then executing the the plan. That would make quite an interesting movie, wouldn't it? I don't know how you would do that. <laughs> I in, think so. Like, I think so, and I I might be incorrect, but I feel like this has been done. It must have um, been. I I I just had a Google for about like five or ten minutes, and I didn't find anything. But I'm awful at interneting. Like, mm, like I found yeah. out today that apparently you're not supposed to heart your own comments on like TikTok and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but surely I stand by what I said, so of course I'm going to heart my comments. So yeah. I, but like could you make a film like that and release it with people enjoying it in the way it's meant to be enjoyed like this is an interesting film or would you just be seen as uh some kind of sympathizer and anti-american and all that nonsense i think it really depends on how you approach it obviously i mean if i think you could do it in a way that doesn't uh make these make them seem like heroes right yeah 
that's my only real takeaway from it, is that I wanted a film which this wasn't. Like, Cage's performance is okay. I don't know. I just think it's a, it's an emotionally strong film, accidentally. Mm. I think it's a, a lazy film, and I think it's lazy in a cynical way. Could I, you imagine, like, being an actor, and you're, like, handed this script for this i i think i'd have to walk away and say thank you but no thank you because like like what could it, it feel how what good can come of like being a part of a film like this right because like if it's done terribly mm. then holy shit like you know you're kind of on the hook for it and then <laughs> even if it's done well like yeah what's that like if you go like i yeah. successfully made a really really entertaining film it's like oh, okay about 9-11 <laughs> five years after yeah. it happened like like yeah, now just... we're like over 20 years from it so it feels like now's the time to make the really good films about it mm, also because yeah. more information's come out and all of that stuff like oliver stone could do a proper oliver stone film about it now and that would be exciting just yeah. Uh, 9-11 led to lots of TV shows like 24 because immediately we had tons of films and TV shows popularising this idea of by any means necessary which I get and it's just I love 24 and it's a TV show so you don't have to you're not a right wing totalitarian fascist if you like 24 you're someone who just really likes Kiefer Sutherland but I don't know man like it 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 feels like the beginning of that sort of thing. It feels like cheerleading rather than a movie, which I understand mm-hmm. and I accept that that's probably quite important in a way. But and what's worse is that it doesn't seem like catharsis. It doesn't nah. seem like a great way to process the trauma either. I don't think so, and I appreciate I'm I'm not American. So it didn't affect me in nearly the same way, like the actual event. So I don't have the same emotional connection to it, to be honest with you. Which in many ways means it's best that I looked at this film rather than rather than you. But um, yeah. but yeah, there you go. That's that's my summary of it. Yeah, it's okay. It's a solid three star film, but it tricks mm. you into thinking it's a five star, and I think that's quite cynical. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about your movie. Come on, let's. This will be so, lighter. <laughs> time to kill, unfortunately, is not a time to kill. So if you're trying to find this movie, uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of tough. It's honestly kind of hard to find. Did you I was watch worried Time to Kill? And like I two hours in, go, the I start haven't seen of Nick Cage. A Time to Kill. <laughs> <laughs> this is the yeah. second time this has happened to you. This is- <laughs> <laughs> Why do these movies have to have so... Because like, Time to Kill is so much more easy to find. Mm. So it's like really easy to get it mixed up. He's not in that movie, by the way. <laughs> I've done the research for you guys. I took the bullet. Uh, Time to Kill. Don't put the A in. He's not in that one. Time to Kill, however, was a movie that was released in 1989. I chose this because that's my birth year and literally for no other reason. What's also great about this film is that it is free to watch on YouTube. Oh, really? Yes. And I say that because if I had to pay for this, I'd be upset. (laughs) I'd be very upset. God, how do you start talking about Time to Kill? This mo- First of all, I'm going to put this out there at the start of it. Uh, this movie is 
it's messed up and it isn't all too entertaining. Okay. And it also contains it, it contains scenes of rape. Oh, okay. Yeah. So again, continuing with the good the fun times. Yeah. Um it's so it, if you don't want to see that, please don't watch this film because it's not worth it. <laughs> it's Just welcome to the sexual assault and terrorism heavy episode. Episode, yes, of uh, of Cage Ones. We all knew it was coming. So. Yeah, we'll pop a trigger warning in front of this one. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be best. So, time to kill. It takes place, I, w- I believe, during World War II. I don't know my history very well. Nicholas Cage plays. Enrico, who is in a, a lieutenant of the Italian army, occupying mm-hmm. Africa. He's in Africa. It starts off with his character sort of just taking off because his tooth hurts. The uh, ride that he took to get to wherever he needed to crashed. He goes missing for quite some time. And then he eventually comes back and talk to his friend. And then that's where we get a scene of okay, this is what happened when he, when he disappeared. And what happened was, is that, yeah, his, his teeth really hurt. He couldn't wait to get it fixed for some fucking reason. And I don't know. I've never had a toothache, so I don't know what the pain is like. Uh, maybe it is enough it's, for it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It, it's gotta be fine. Cause he did a bunch of fucked up shit while he, his teeth hurt. <laughs> so he, uh, the ride he's in, it crashes, he gets out, he he decides to just take it on foot, runs into some people, tell them that tells them that there's a shortcut, he takes the shortcut. He gives just a quick thing, he mm. gives a lit cigarette to a chameleon. Oh. And it's like a fucking real chameleon. But, <laughs> so you know, this was uh pre PETA, I guess. <laughs> but Nicholas Cage <laughs> loves lizards, doesn't he? He loves them enough to get them addicted to caffeine or caffeine nicotine. Apparently, I mean, fair, fair enough. I bet the lizard looked cool smoking though. Hey, oh my god, it was the coolest! <laughs> it's a, it's a, I hope Box for his uh, thumbnail of this movie just does the chameleon with the cigarettes. Yes, it's really good. Yeah. So eleven minutes into the film, it's the best part of the film, and it only gets worse from here. Beautiful. That's because he runs across. A woman who is bathing in a lake, hmm. notably wearing a white turban around her hair. Okay. And he he proceeds to do the thing that we shall not speak of. Is this Cage? Cage's character does this. This is Cage's character. Okay. Yeah, she, she uh, you know, they don't speak the same language, uh, hmm. but she is physically resistant to him. It doesn't show anything in particular. It wipes away. But then afterward, she's very kind. She adjusts in a way that is strange. And you can't quite tell why. Obviously, there's the language barrier. Yeah. Uh, So he's dealing with his toothache. He's trying to get his bearing so he can find a way back. But he, he, you know, he can't fight through the language barrier. So they... um, go to a cave together and they spend the night with each other in the middle of the night there is a hyena or of some sort i think it's a hyena um makes its way into the cage so he takes his gun out he fires at it he misses and unfortunately the bullet ricochets and hits the lady in the stomach oh shit yeah 
it's at this point he tells his friend because this is all a retelling so far yeah. uh that he she died he buried her uh along with his stuff but he also made sure to take everything that he had on him and to sort of cover up essentially after this is when he essentially gets back to camp he gets his tooth fixed and now we still have a lot of movie left right Mm. This is not even... This might be the first 25, 30 minutes of the film. Oh, Jesus. And, yeah. So, <sighs> he he's getting leave, like permanent leave, because essentially we, we're at the point where the war is about to end or some sort. I don't know. I don't know war stuff. So, if you yeah. know war stuff, don't tell me, because I don't want to know. <laughs> and we... He's he gets his leave. Uh, he parties with some dude. The dude takes him to this place where they're going to, um, you know, hook up with the, the locals. And um, well, he finds out that women with white turbans have leprosy. Oh shit! And now he probably has leprosy. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah, so I think now we sort of figure out like why she was so resistant to him uh, at, at the mm. beginning. Um, I sure hope that's the reason why. Uh, so, and, and also so kind to him afterwards because something was afoot. Uh, so now he, now that he knows this, uh, he just basically spends a lot of time just trying to figure out like how to leave. Because he's an yeah. asshole and wants to bring leprosy back to his hometown, because he doesn't—he just Jeez. can't stay in Africa anymore. Yeah, he's a piece mm. of shit. Basically, trying to figure out like, does he in fact have leprosy? And what this all kind of boils down to is that he—he he runs across the father of the woman who died, and he sort of mm. like confesses to him what actually happened, and that specifically, and if we are to actually believe him, after she was incidentally shot with a gun wound he killed her oh wow. yeah to try to end her suffering because a gut wound is a, just an absolutely awful thing to die of it mm. takes it takes several days i believe and it's just the most painful <clears throat> thing imaginable um oh, shit. he shows uh the father where she is buried and he tells her she she's not sick she she didn't have leprosy she was perfectly fine um, oh, yeah, and then he leaves. Uh, he leaves Africa, so this, and he, this, he's perfectly fine. This sounds suspiciously like he's got away with being a terrible person. Absolutely, like because yeah. before we were thinking like, well, at least he's got leprosy. So yeah. I, admittedly, leprosy you can deal with now with antibiotics, but but that would be something, some sort of repercussion yeah that's the word i was searching for thank you some sort of repercussion but no he's just fine so he goes there assaults this mm. poor person then just treats her like shit then it's just a bell end in africa for a bit mm -hmm. kills her then goes yep and like throughout that later part of the film he's like he has like this hand wound that keeps getting bad and you think mm. like oh that's a part of the leprosy and it isn't it just, it's untreated. That's it. 
Um, okay. <laughs> so what is that then the end of the film? What happens after he gets back? No, no. The, the film ends with him talking to his army buddy, the same guy he was talking to at the start of the film. And the guy's like, narrate like a uh, voiceover is like, yep. And uh, he split from me. I never saw him on the boat. Never saw him when I departed. That was it. F- film ends. <clears throat> now, what what I like about the sound of this film is what we've got is an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. I love an unreliable yeah, narrator. Yeah, me too. Um, so there's a strong chance, well, not a strong chance, but there is a chance that the entire story is simply not true. Yeah. And that Cage's character was just making it up to try and be like the big man or something like that. Yes. I no. uh it seems yeah it, he's definitely an unreliable I think really what's unreliable is the exact timeline and of the exact offense but we mm. we do know later on that she is in fact dead to a bullet wound like oh. he, they he showed the father the body and all of the stuff okay and, um so we don't we don't know really what happened or took place uh between the two I think that's the big thing that's in question but he was definitely scared he so like a lot of the film is him just kind of being guilty and that wound on his hand sort of symbolizes like the growing guilt in him yeah and um you know meeting the father and the father taking care of him and then mm. telling him that she wasn't really sick and kind of relinquishes him of his guilt so he's able to return back home but like so when he finds out she's not sick, is the is the idea behind that that they were mistaken mm. or they intentionally were dressing her up to look like she had leprosy as sort of some sort of protection? Yeah, it's it's hard to say exactly because when um the the it's difficult to say because when he gets back to camp, they find out like something happened in that village and they get to the village and the old man is burying everyone like because it was attacked or something and like everyone's fucking mm. dead and shit. And I thought it, first I thought it was like, oh, they think like they found her body or she's gone missing. So so then like maybe leprosy spread and everyone was dying or so. I'm not sure exactly what happened because it's it's not like put together well enough uh, <laughs> i was i was gonna say it, that there's a lot going on it feels quite hard work but was it an enjoyable film in any way it was um th- there's a lot i completely skimmed over there there's like maybe mm. 30 35 minutes of the film where he's just kind of like pinballing around like randomly doing shit and um Mm. it's quite it's really boring there's um there's this whole like colonel character who's like doing backwater like backroom deals and shit and that's kind of interesting but i all in all not really like it's it feels like a foreign film Mm. without it being without it having that quality to a form foreign film that's more show don't tell kind of edge to it yeah 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 so it it just it's 
it doesn't de- really deliver very well, unfortunately, on, on any aspect. So that's why I would say that <laughs> if uh, the trigger warning worries you, it's a complete and total definitely you can miss this film because it just doesn't uh, just doesn't deliver. Yeah, it, which just it feels a shame because I don't know. It's it's similar to if you're going to do offensive jokes. I mean, joke mm. about whatever you want, but the more hardcore and offensive the subject matter, the the stronger the responsibility to make it absolutely hilarious yeah. there is. In the same way that if your film requires a billion trigger warnings and dealing with really, really like horrific things which are going to set so many people off, you have a right, not a right, you have a responsibility to make that film wonderful. Yeah, if this if your films are about a huge tragedy or a com- character committing terrible acts, like you've got yeah. to deliver to a point to make it I don't want to say worth it cuz like nothing's worth it, but you need to yeah, be making yeah, a cohesive point about the character or the event that you know yes. gives the audience something to to feel, you know. So, so what do we do with this, Tom? We've got two films, neither of which were enjoyable, <laughs> both of which were unpleasant in subject matter, mm. but could have been like they weren't handled the worst, but they could have been handled so much mm-hmm. better. Yeah. If it feels like, like if we say no, whichever film we say no to, we're not saying no to the importance of this topic. Yeah, we're saying no to the quality of the film. But yeah, I'm a, so what do we do? Honestly, like I just to get just get to the point. I almost don't even want to debate it. Um, like Time to Kill is just a flat no for me. I I don't think this Fair movie enough. really deserves any place on any list. It I don't think it deserves any more attention. It just it just fumbles the Let bag it. in every way possible. It has a chameleon with a cigarette, which is super cool, but that is it. That's pretty cool. But we can just put that in any other film, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. And, well, in which case, I think it's quite clear to say, just because Time to Kill is so bad and we don't want to yeah. talk about it a second time. And also, it's kind of funny to say... Congratulations, World Trade Center. <laughs> You're going through to round two. You did it, 9-11. I think that went all right. <laughs> what, what, what do you think, Thomas? We dealt with two very unpleasant films. What, how, how, do you, how do you feel that went? Uh, when people listen yeah. and judge, and they will judge, do you mm. think we managed to steer our way through those subject matters without upsetting or undermining or being frivolous in ways which are going to be unappreciated. Do you think we did mm. all right? I can say confidently because anything that we said that was inappropriate will probably be edited out that yes, we in fact did everything perfectly well and we delivered upon the premise of we this did. podcast. We did. And uh, yeah, if we uh, have edited out everything that comes even close to the to the bone, then I apologize, listeners, that this episode's only 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, we, we made a snack of a podcast, you know. Yeah. Let's, try, let's try to think about that. Yeah, it's going to be edit- everything everyone's listening to is just, well, welcome to the show, World Trade Center wins. Bye. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Just a, a snappy little one for you guys. A little treat. 
<laughs> but congratulations, World Trade Centre. You have gone through to round two. I wonder who you will be against. Uh, it's it, it's not going to be an appropriate pairing, regardless of who it is. Mm. No. But um, we, we shall leave that to the almighty algorithm to sort out. But in the meantime, Thomas, tell us. What's going on with you? Have you got anything that you me. want everyone to know about? Have you got anything? Me, me, Thomas, and me do D&D, and me do D&D on twitch.tv slash offdutyotter, twitch.tv slash O-F-F-D-U-T-Y-O-T-T-E-R. Um, we play good, we play, it's, it's, we roll, and we kill, and... Dungeons and Dragons. How about you, Greg? Uh, I'm just doing more Bible stuff. Go listen to Better Bible. Uh, it's on i iTunes and other places where you get podcasts. But hey, with Better Bible and with Cage Fight, if you listen on iTunes, leave a review and a comment and a star review and all that stuff. If you listen on any of the other platforms, I don't know how they work. Just review it however you can review it there. Because this will take a few seconds out of your day, and we want to be uh, better than all the other... Well, we are better, but we want people to know that we're better than all the other Cage podcasts. So so do that. It'll take you a few seconds, and it'll really, really help us. Um, to be honest, even if you want to say something unpleasant about us, like comments... The number of comments is what mm. iTunes pays attention to. So do that, because I have made a New Year's resolution at uh, almost the end of August. <clears throat> but <laughs> I am going to start working on marketing. Like, all of these things, oh, the things we do together and the things we do separately, you and I, I think this is fair to say, but stop in if you think I'm being unfair to you. We're both <laughs> shit at marketing. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is the one thing slowing us down. So that my end of August New Year's resolution is I'm gonna. So you, when you go to the Instagram of uh, Cage Fight, and when you go to TikTok and the Instagram of anything else to do with things we create, it's gonna be a lot louder, and there's gonna mm-hmm. be a lot more stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, listen to Better Bible. Yeah. Listen to this and tell people about it and comment. Yeah, and please do. do. <clears throat> yeah, because we're only a few episodes away from the end of season one. Yeah, remember thirty episodes, and then we're having a break. Episodes. And uh, what would be encouraging is an amount of uh, likes and comments for us to. I mean, season two is coming, but we yeah, would yeah, love yeah. to hear how about how much you guys would want to see a season two. That would be that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. Be our friends. We want to be your friends. But for now, I'm ready to go off. What about you, Thomas? I believe it's a time to kill World Trade Center. <laughs> <laughs>